Welcome to the Aging Gracefully podcast. I'm Mary Thompson. And I'm Janae Anderson. Join us as we explore the myths, beliefs, and realities of aging to empower each of us to thrive on all levels, every moment of our lives. Janae, I've been thinking, one of the parts of aging is having some transitions occur around us. Like, you know, we're getting older, our parents are no longer alive, we've gone through griefs, and it seems like there's more and more griefs as we get older, losses, letting go. And I'd like to talk about that. That sounds like an important subject. It does. It sounds a little bit more serious than some of our other subjects, but I think it's a real important or present part of the aging process is this almost continuous letting go of things. I remember in childhood, because I think it's, you know, I think we don't recognize these things as grief, but I think it's preparing us for the big griefs that we deal with later. But I don't know if you had this experience, but like the week before summer vacation, I thought these people were my best friends. I, I suddenly formed tighter friendships and these bonds. And then we grieved so strongly about the, the end of the school year. And we weren't going to see each other again till, till the next season. And I remember having struggled all through elementary school. I went to a school where I was in the same class with the same kids for eight years. And we struggled. I was not, um, we weren't all best buddies. But I picture that that graduation from eighth grade, and we're all the boys and the girls, all of us were crying and crying, just sobbing and heaving that we weren't going to see each other again. But I don't think it really was about these people. It was about that time. You know, I'm never going to be this child again. Now I have to go off to high school. We all went different directions in high school. And so there are these losses that we experience throughout the course of our life. And now there are griefs with people dying, but what not you... only people dying, but for me, the loss of certain activities. Like I remember when I finally and firmly decided never to run again or jog again, Wow! you know, when I, I revisited it again in my early fifties after having given it up for a decade or so going, well, maybe I could, if I was really slow. And again, I mean, the damage it did to my knees and my back, it was like, I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, there, there are certain things like for me, jogging, which had such such a sense of freedom and exhilaration and runners high and and all of that and to sadly say okay that's another one biting the dust mm-hmm. you know the grief is a natural response to letting go of things that we have held precious mm-hmm. i think too sometimes we don't realize how precious we held them until we see how deep the grief is you know, that we have something happens and it's a, it rocks your world. And you think, wow, I, I didn't think I cared that much. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. Cause I think, so you're talking about some physical shifts and yeah, I think also looking at my son, I was thinking about this and I don't want to say this to him. He's 17 and I love him. He's great. And I missed the little boy. You know, and so there's some grief over not having that little buddy around 
that I had for so many years. And now I've got this, this new human and this new adult that's around and isn't as dependent on me, isn't as, you know, attached to me as the younger one was. They, I read once that a mother always sees her child through a telescope. You know, <laughs> even if they're 40 years old, you see them as the baby and you see them all through mm -hmm. those stages. You never just see where they are now. And so I think, yeah, a mother too grieves yeah. any parent right. as, as their child goes through those different phases. And as much as we rejoice at their independence, we grieve at their independence. Right. Because it, and I think too, you look and you think, oh, I must be getting older. I look in the mirror and I don't see it. Well, sometimes I do. Of course I do. But I think um, it, the changes happen so gradually that when we have, we had done a talk one time on milestones. And I think what it is that these milestones, we begin to do that, whoo, you know, that song, we may never pass this way again. <laughs> it becomes more real, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to be 60 in January, and the truth of it is, I have lived most of my life now. Right. That is so weird. What a concept. Right. Well, I think, you know, the other thing that occurs to me, that in those milestones that I talked about earlier, graduating from eighth grade or graduating from high school, there's something we're going towards. There's some some new world that we are looking at creating, moving from eighth grade into high school or high school into college and from college into work life and whatever. There's always something going on. And I think that's a scary thing about aging is there may not be the thing to look forward to the next event unless we create it for ourselves. Now I come back to your running. That there's the point of, oh, I'm going to let go of running. Did you have something else to go into that space? Walking. Walking which I still do most every day. Mm -hmm. And it's great. And it's not the same. Well, you're not going to get a walker's high. <laughs> never yeah. heard of no, you do. Oh, you do. I mean, you feel somewhat <laughs> euphoric after you've pushed hard. Okay. Your walks are a little bit more exciting than mine. Then. <laughs> <laughs> they can be. Not always. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think with children, I remember when, when Keegan was little, that um, changes always came. They were bittersweet, you know, Oh, I don't have to change diapers anymore. Hooray! Oh, he's not so dependent on me for every every need, you know? So there's always something that's that's going forward that we can be excited about. And maybe that's one of the reasons why the loss of loved ones or loss of relationship or anything is so devastating, is we don't have the next exciting thing mm -hmm. looming ahead of us, except maybe death. Right. <laughs> I like that you put that as the next exciting thing. <laughs> I actually consider it the next exciting thing, but maybe not next. Maybe there's <laughs> some 20, 30 years in between me and that. That's a big abyss. Yeah, it's <laughs> a big abyss. Nothing, end. nothing, nothing. <laughs> We've talked about the middle essence years right. at a podcast before, and, and it's a time now when we get to decide what the next expansive, exciting thing is for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean that grief won't show up. And so when grief does show up, I think it's really important to acknowledge it and hear it and honor it and then release it, mm -hmm. but not just move forward as if it wasn't there. So I think everybody moves through grief in their own way, their own pace. They take their own time with it. They feel it at different levels. And I think it's important 
for me, when I'm with somebody who's in grief, to let them feel their feelings, you know, and not be, not have my feelings shut down and not shut their feelings down. So what have you had? I think you went through a grief group. I did. Is there something you could say about that? What would somebody do? Say, let's talk about the person who's in grief. You mentioned, I don't remember exactly all the steps you mentioned, acknowledging yeah, I just spoke them as they showed up in my mind. Okay. Um, but acknowledging, um, and I will I'll add in feeling, feeling mm-hmm. the feelings, super feeling important. Feelings. Hearing, listening, listening to what the grief has to say and honoring it and then releasing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the grief group was amazing. It's, it's a local 14-week program. And one of its tenets is that grief is not something that we need to do solo. So much of society seems to shame us for grieving, mm-hmm. you know, especially on things like pets or whatever, right. right? But to honor all of those griefs and to feel safe grieving in a group with other grievers. So to do that in a room of 35 some people was really powerful and to mm-hmm. hear to hear them voice their griefs and to have them listen to me voice mine mm-hmm. it was um it was a really powerful experience mm-hmm. and we we did various exercises i mean we went into small groups and and did various exercises and then read our like our timeline we did a grief timeline starting from birth to current moment where we ta- where we outlined the various griefs we'd experienced and then we shared that in our small group and so to not only do the work but to have it witnessed by someone else is um, ex- an extremely powerful experience so what i wish for our society was that we would feel safe enough to Enter into Facebook. Oh, I woke up in the middle of the night last night, scared about getting older. Mm -hmm. You know, and immediately what would happen is everybody tries to shut it down. Oh, but you still look great. You're still the healthiest person I know. You're so fantastic. You shouldn't have these feelings. And I think that slows the whole grief process down. It forces us to move it internal and to have to deal with it um, without the support of anyone around us. And therefore, we not only have grief, we have shame. Right. And that I shouldn't, I should have gotten over this by now. I should be better. It's This is a weird tie-in, but there's um, a book called Validation Breakthrough that's about Alzheimer's and talking to people with Alzheimer's. And what they recognize is four steps that people with Alzheimer's go through. And if you keep telling someone to come back to the present moment, get over it, don't feel your feelings they shut down. It doesn't help them in any way. And I'm applying that same idea here with grief. If I say, well, you know, let's look on the bright side. You had 30 good years and now it's all going to be okay. And rather than just allowing someone to feel sad, I think this is probably one of the hard things too, is simply feeling your feelings without you being the voice that's telling you, that's shaming you and telling you you should get over it. Absolutely. We are definitely our own worst enemy Mm -hmm. or our own best friend. Right. 
I always ask people that. I'll say, you know, is that voice in your head talking to you like you would talk to your best friend? Or are they talking to you like you'd talk to a stray dog or something you wanted to go, maybe a stray raccoon, something you wanted to get away from you? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really good question. I, I had an inner critic, a very strong inner critic for so many years. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have it anymore. I mean, every now and then it'll show up again. Mm -hmm. But even then, it doesn't have near the power it used to have. It used to be the only voice there was. Right. Whew. And it's such a powerful voice. We give it so much power. We give it all the power. And so um, I think if we can shift to actually honoring feelings even more than honoring the voices in the head, mm -hmm. <laughs> then uh, I believe we are living on a truer track. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing a wheel one time and it showed a wheel. It was a feelings wheel and they divided it up. They started with, I think they identified six basic feelings, anger and fear and sadness and joy and I don't remember what the other two were, but then they divided those all up and, it, you know, into any myriad, you know, oh, you're feeling intimidated or you're feeling disappointed or you're feeling hopeful or whatever. And then they placed it on the wheel into one of the, one of those feelings. And I think something like that might be really helpful if I have been able to feel, maybe I could feel them, but I don't have a way to identify them or to think about even vocalizing, I'm feeling this becomes an exercise in kind of, okay, what am I, what am I feeling? It's so much easier to avoid the feeling also just by staying in your story. Oh, I used to be able to run and now I have to walk and it was too, just too hard on my knees, you know, to stay in the story rather than to get behind the story and go, okay, how does that feel? How does that feel in my body? What is the feeling like? And, and really sitting with it instead of, Avoiding it by being in the story. Well, I think there's a lot of things we do for distraction, right? If I don't want to feel anxious, then maybe I'll eat. Or I don't want to feel anxious, maybe I'll put on a Netflix movie. Or maybe I don't want to feel anxious, so I'll distract myself in some other way. There's so many lovely ways to do oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't. But it's interesting because we never, we're rarely, we rarely choose um, a tool that will help alleviate the feeling. So I'm feeling anxious because I had an email I had to write. So rather than go and write the email and get it over with, I'm going to distract myself for an hour <laughs> and make the email one hour later. You know, it just is, it's funny. But I think with grief, coming back to that, it's the same kind of thing as we distract ourselves. We try to find something to um, take our attention off the fact that we've lost something that was dear to us. It's uncomfortable. It can mm -hmm. be really uncomfortable to feel those kind of feelings. Mm -hmm. What I find is the more I do allow those uncomfortable feelings, of course, the more comfortable I am with them. Mm -hmm. And the more confident I am that feelings don't actually take very long to be felt before they're happy to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really, yeah. I mean, they want to be heard, they want to be felt fully, and then they're like, thank you, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just some way to get them out of the mind and out of the body. And so then they can be out in the world, having their own experiences. <laughs> no longer Flying off to do whatever they no do next. No longer bothering us. Yeah, but you know, aging, aging is a letting go. You know, every decade seems to be a deeper letting go of the things we did in our youth. Right. And for me, there's also the, and what do we take on? What do we pick up? 
because there's there's always letting go but I'm hoping that I'm letting go of things that aren't serving me anymore like when you were younger the running really served you and now you're you're doing it with something different you do it with walking and I think there's I, the void is I think what we're really trying to avoid <laughs> is you know if I don't have something else to fill that when it's the loss of a partner the loss of a parent the loss of a pet we don't want to fill something in that void because we feel that would be somehow disloyal. So we just have to be with our grief. But the transitions with aging, I think there's a part of it where we want to acknowledge, wow, that's really sad that I can't run anymore. And I'm going to find some other things I can fill that with because it's a different kind of loss. It's not a loss of the heart so much as it's a loss of the, the self in a way. You know, I had this ability and now I don't. So it's kind of... I think it's it's a little bit validating as we go through. There certainly are things that I've that I can't do now that I could do when I was younger. Um, but I hope that I'm embracing new and different things. Me too. But I do have to laugh. Also, like I pulled some muscle in my hip, and I know what that muscle looks like because I've taught yoga for so many years, and I know what it does, and I know how to stretch it, but I can't remember the name. <laughs> and, you know, 20 years ago, the name would have popped right back into my head. Oh, the memory stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, even that, that's a letting go. It's like, I just have to lighten up about it and laugh about it, and if I was really serious, I would open up my anatomy book and look at it. Mm -hmm. There's, that's the hardest one for me. It's, you know, just the little the little lapses. The that, little lapses. That I just don't. And I'm embarrassed by them. And that could be more of my, my grief, my self-esteem. We talked about that before. My self-esteem is a lot around intellect. And then if you, if you relate these little memory lapses to a loss of intellect, then, oh, then it's very, very unsettling. Very grief-stricken. There grief -stricken. you go, though. A lot of it is, is what meaning you're attaching to it. Mm -hmm. So your lapses mean that you are losing intellect. Right. Right, which probably also means you're getting old. Could be. Or could senile. Be. Or something. <laughs> or senile. <laughs> yeah, so, it could be senile. Senility. So here I go Have again. Have we done this podcast already? Have we done this one before? <laughs> and so, you know, here I go again, back to awareness. Like if we can be aware of the meaning we are attaching to things. Like I can't run anymore, therefore I will never have that high feeling after exercise or I feel scared when I have to bend my knees deeply now therefore I will never be as physically agile and feel as young as I used to or whatever mm -hmm. just to be aware of the meanings we're attaching to things mm -hmm. and what you know and also that what fantasy we're having about what it means about us and our future. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not able to run. I'm never going to be physically fit. My body's going to break down and deteriorate. I always joke that, and then it ends always ends with, and then I die alone in a ditch. You know, whatever <laughs> I take this fantasy out to the extreme end of whatever it is, so whatever loss it is, then, you know, it always goes to that point. And I know that's when I'm fantasizing. And I'm asking that question, like, what, what is my fantasy about how life is going to change because of this, this loss? The psychologists call it catastrophic thinking. Right. Real easy to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we never do 
the other end of that. <laughs> what? what would you call it? Catastrophic thing? You'd have this uh, stupendous thinking. <laughs> yeah, or euphoric thinking. Euphoric thinking. Oh, my so, knees don't work as well. That means friends are going to help me. Yes. That means you know, I'm just go on and on. I'm going to die in a room full of surrounded by my loved yeah. ones. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, but that's that's a good point. We do that, and I think. I feel like looking at grief and thinking about grief along lines of loss of loss of people in our lives, there is no, there is no upside, you know, there's not an upside to the loss. And so it's, we have to look and see how we can hold on to some, some aspects of it, like some of the love and the happiness that we had for the person. Cause it's easier. I think it's easier to transition if I'm not able to do something that I could do before. I could replace that with something else, but it's yeah. when it's a person, a parent, a partner, a, a pet, a child, that I, you know, there is no, we're not going to go out and, oh, I'll just have a new child. Right. You know? Right. We're going to feel that grief. And I think it's switching the focus away from all my future without them, catastrophizing, to all those wonderful memories with them, you know, when I feel ready to open up and kind of sit with that without it tearing my heart apart you know right right and bringing that part of them with you forward into the future mm -hmm. but you know I, I do have to say and why is it always the woman but I women I have known not all of course but some whose husbands have died have gone on to kind of recreate themselves into amazing very happy people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah now I have one friend and she just, she gave herself time. She gave herself lots and lots of time to grieve and grieved to the depth she needed to. What I really appreciate about her process was it allowed other people permission to grieve to whatever depth they wanted to. Oh, that's so important. You know, because they say, oh, look, this is okay. This person I know and respect and love is suffering and struggling. I can reach out and offer my help and support knowing that that's not the problem. And now when I'm going through something, I'm going to feel more open. I also know I could reach out to this person. So it's a win-win when you share your grief in a group or share it with people that you love and trust because you're, allowed, you're giving them permission to turn them back around and reach out to you. You are. You're, you're holding the torch, if you will. Mm -hmm. And right. so has your friend gone forward from mm -hmm. that place now? Oh, very much so. And... You know, it's it's interesting because things still come up around anniversaries and things like that. It's been about six years now. And so anniversaries are still hard or letting go of things that they that she and her partner had created together. But she's opening herself up to new love and she's opening herself up to new possibilities for her future. Whereas I think, you know, six years ago, she wouldn't have thought there was anything to look forward to. Of course. You know, yeah. so I think it's like you had said it several times, it's allowing time. Allowing time. There is a season for everything and fully embracing that season when it comes. And yeah, the thing about grief is sometimes you have no idea it's coming and then there mm -hmm. it comes and it just smacks you over the head with a two by four and knocks you down and your face planted in the dirt, you know, and mm -hmm. wow, that's, that's huge. Mm -hmm. And I think what your friend did giving herself time is so beautiful and permission and sharing it with others, you know, wow. It's yeah. so powerful. Yeah. I think it really is. And you mentioned waves. That's what I've often heard about people is they'll, they'll think, Oh, everything's fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm through it. And then all this, 
there's a tsunami. Big, yeah, something comes on, and it could be sparked by any little thing. Yeah, yeah, that you don't even see coming. Yeah. So I guess what I'm getting from, and the whole gist of it is, we have big griefs, we have little griefs, we want to honor ourselves. A little grief shouldn't be discounted because, oh, that's inconsequential. It's not like you lost anything really big. Yeah, yeah. if it wants, if it's knocking and saying, please acknowledge me, give it a mm -hmm. moment. Stop, mm -hmm. acknowledge it, feel into it. Mm -hmm. So do you think you could, very briefly, think of, or say a few words about would it just be sitting down and thinking about what I'm feeling or how would you feel into it? What does that mean if I'm kind of detached from my physical body? Um, okay, so some, sometimes for me, the middle of the night is when grief or other feelings will come on full force and like I'll have a dream or I'll be woken up and all of a sudden there's, let's say, grief uh, present and not allowing me to go back to sleep. So I don't really have a choice. And so I go and I sit and um, there may be a story running about it. And I'll listen to the story for a moment, aware of that, and then step behind the story and, um, you know, take a few breaths and try to calm the mind down. And then really, I guess when I say feel into it, I mean, put your my focus on it and allow it to be expressed fully. So if that means I'm sobbing, if that means I want to hit a pillow really hard or whatever it is, you know, or just sit there and feel how it feels in my body. To be honest, sometimes my body jerks around when I feel things. I don't know why, it just does. Um, and so just really feeling a feeling is an extremely powerful experience. Mm -hmm. I know somebody uh, in my grief group, one of the facilitators said that if you fully feel a feeling, it takes about 90 seconds to process mm -hmm. it and it's gone. And I have found that roughly to be true in my own experience. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Like attraction. <laughs> Yeah, and but that doesn't mean it won't revisit. You know, it's yeah. kind of like a spiral like a contraction. <laughs> yeah, like a contraction. Yeah, and yeah. really, it is a birth. It's the birth of it's a, a loss and a birth. Mm -hmm. Letting go of of what's maybe it's kind of breaking that thing free. I think it, it is free from our attachments. Yeah. Well, this has been really interesting, and I didn't quite know what direction we were going to go when we started off, and I kind of like where we ended up. So do I. So do I. So. Yeah, let's um let's remember that grief is a natural part of letting go and therefore a natural part of aging because as we're aging we are letting go. Yeah, we're letting go of things physically that we our physical body as it shifts. We're letting go of things emotionally around us as we see changes happening in the people around us and the people that we love and cognitively let, there's cognitively <laughs> I was trying not to say that. <laughs> I thought I should. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, the, the big losses. Yeah. And so honoring ourselves with the big losses, the little losses, and every loss in between. And ironically, by doing so, the joys come in more fully. Lovely. Well, this has been Mary Thompson. And Janae Anderson. And now we are signing off.